Hi, I'm Jillian Swinford. And I'm Haley Brolison. And this is Mother Nature Will Kill You. A podcast about the most horrific tragedies. And the most triumphant survival stories that the wilderness can provide. So grab your backpack. And maybe a bottle of wine. And let's go on a wild ride into the unknown. Walking down this road I go. But I am going alone. Running far, far from home. Till I am skin and bone. I don't want to die. But I'll have to try. I don't want to die. But I'm on my own. Hello, everybody. Good morning or good night. I mean, good it's evening. seven. Yeah, it's seven forty-six p.m here so <laughs> yeah we were uh we've been busy mostly you've been busy with all of yeah the various weddings and oh my gosh they're fun but i'm glad that all the wedding travel is done you know? i mean you you basically took like a tour of like <laughs> the northern half of the eastern united states <laughs> i know i oh my gosh it feels like it was so long ago, but it was really like three weeks ago that it happened. <laughs> I um so what I did was I flew home to Northern Virginia mm-hmm. and then my mom and I drove to my grandma's in Pennsylvania because my grandma is three hours from where my friend was getting married. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, like I'll I haven't seen my grandma in like I think ten years. Like she doesn't travel and then she lives like five hours away from my parents. So like even yeah. when I'm home, like I don't see her. And, um, you know, holidays have been different for the last couple of years. So, yeah, so I haven't seen her in a very long time. So I was like, oh, this is great. Like, I'll fly home. Mom and I will drive up to Mimsy's and like, we'll just stay there. We'll see her. I'll pop over for the weekend to Connecticut, you know, be in Carolyn's wedding and have fun there. And then driving to Connecticut on her wedding was on a Friday. And so the rehearsal was on a Thursday. And mom told me to take this route that goes around New York City. And I was like, oh, I can't do that. Like adds like another hour on my my drive. And like I wouldn't yeah. make it there in time. And I was like, it's okay. I'll just drive through the city. Like I know I'll probably get like anxiety with all of that city traffic. But like it's the fastest option right now. And so I started driving and like 40 minutes into the drive, dead stop traffic. And it was because they were doing like rock blasting along the interstate. And I was like, nice. holy shit, this is a thing? Like, what the fuck? And so <laughs> I like sat dead stop for like 30, 40 minutes probably. Then I got going again. But that set me my time back. So I was like texting Carolyn. I was like, looks like I'm going to be there like right on time if I just go straight to the chapel now. Because I was going to go to the Airbnb and meet yes. everybody there first. And then I'll go over to the chapel. Yeah. But now that wasn't a thing. So I was like, okay, I'll still be there. But just going to go straight to the chapel. And then as I get closer into New York City traffic like dead stop bumper to bumper traffic yes and I like I'm sitting there and I'm just seeing my ETA go back further (laughs) and further and further I left 
at 10 o'clock in the morning, maybe 1030. Mm -hmm. I didn't get there until like 530 p.m. Yeah, I believe it. It turned into a seven-hour drive. Mm -hmm. I was like, holy shit, if I knew it was going to take this long, I would have planned a lot better. Like, I would have just gone in the night before and then gotten, like, a hotel, Mm -hmm. like, whatever. Oh, my God, it was so bad. I felt so awful. I I missed the rehearsal. Like, the whole rehearsal. Like, I just made it for the dinner. And I was like, oh, my God, this is awful. Um, so that, that was interesting to deal with all of that. Um, yeah. And the reason uh, why there was northeast, northeastern city traffic. (laughs) Yeah. It made me not miss any of that at all. Yeah. But the reason why there was so much traffic is because a semi-truck went under one of the bridges and the truck was too tall to go under the bridge. So it got stuck. Nice. And then, like, all of the cars around it were then just, like, trying to get into the one lane to pass it. Mm-hmm. So it was just, like, awful. It's <laughs> oh, horrible. <laughs> and I, I ended up, like, taking an exit off and, like, going around. But I don't know. It just, it was a lot. So there's that. The wedding was fun. A lot of my college roommates and friends were there. So that was, like, awesome to see mm-hmm. all of them again. Um, I literally cried, like, five times at her wedding. Yeah. I- I'm a crier now, apparently. <laughs> um so yeah it was like we were I like teared up once on the way to the chapel and then like as I was standing there in line like you know bridesmaid I was like you know watching her say her vows and like you know get married and stuff and I was like starting to tear up then I think I cried when she came down the aisle too like I just Mm -hmm. like started crying at like everything (laughs) and then like at the um at the reception, then you know when her sister's giving a speech, I started crying. When her dad's giving a speech, I started crying. I like cried during their first dance. Like I was just mm-hmm. like oh, waterworks all the time. Yep. And one of my college friends was like, "Oh my god, Haley, pull yourself together." I was like, "Okay, I have a lot of emotions right now. Like I'm Get sorry." Your shit together. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then like during the father daughter dance, she starts crying. And I was like, "Oh my god, get your shit together. Come on." <laughs> She's like, "I just have a lot of emotions." But um but yeah, so that was really fun. And then um the next day I just went back to my grandma's and hung out there until and we went back to Northern Virginia, and then I flew to Iowa and met yeah. Alex out in Iowa because his cousin got married the weekend after. So it was literally back-to-back wedding weekends, and I managed to avoid COVID this entire year with that I'm much travel. I'm very proud of myself, too. I'm <laughs> knocking on wood to not jinx myself right now. Yeah. But when we went out, and honestly, the only, like, quote-unquote, like, COVID scare that I had was during that those trips Mm -hmm. um and so um like I'm flying to Iowa I'm in the Dallas airport and I get a text from yes ew and I get a text (laughs) from I think I don't know I've probably made it very clear how much I hate the Dallas airport but um (laughs) I got a text from the um the the bridesmaids group from Carolyn's bridesmaids and one of them said that, like, she tested positive for COVID. And so this was, like, um, Saturday, Sunday. It was, like, four days after the wedding. She's, like, mm-hmm. oh, I felt icky yesterday. I tested myself this morning. Like, I have COVID. And then another bridesmaid's, like, oh, yeah, me too. And I was, like, shit. Like, I feel fine. But, like, oh, my God. Like, I'm on my way out to Iowa. And, like, Alex's mom had, like, asked us to wear masks, like, on the plane. And, like, all yeah. the time. I was, like, his grandma is, like, not doing well, you know. So, and I wear my mask on the plane anyway. I just feel like better. You know, this I just don't I don't feel last, as icky. 
Yeah. This last trip was the first time I didn't wear one since the pandemic. Oh, really? And it was to Finland. So it was a long flight. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to wear it. Corey was like, I don't want to wear mine. My mom didn't wear hers. So we're like, "Mm, see. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so on the way out there, we get like the COVID text. And so I texted our group chat with his family and I was like, Hey, like, you know, I just got this text. Like I have, I brought COVID tests with me just in case something Mm. happened. You know, I could just like test myself in quarantine, but, um, his mom was like, Oh, don't worry. Like, you know, their uncle has it right now. Like he's quarantined himself. So it's like, (laughs) so I went from like somebody telling me that like, you know, I was potentially exposed to COVID to like, his mom being like, oh, yeah, one of our family members has COVID right now. Like, he's quarantined. And so I was like, cool, cool, cool. So, like, someone is definitely getting COVID from, yeah. <laughs> from this trip. <laughs> and um, ironically, like, we've we've felt fine. Like, I mean, we've kind of got, you know, when you get back from traveling, you just kind of feel run down and, like, mm-hmm. scratchy throat kind of thing. Like, yeah, that's pretty much how we felt a couple days ago. But, yeah, I'm super stoked that I didn't get sick at all from all of that travel because but there was a it lot seems of chances. like yeah, it seems like a thing that happens to you pretty frequently is getting sick from travel yeah well, well that's why i wear the mask like i don't i mean i'm surely it has to have some effect but like i just feel less icky when mm-hmm. i wear a mask when i travel like even yeah like I've, I've started to like wear my hood up on my hoodie when i travel too because like i don't know i guess i just get greasy when i travel <laughs> And so, like, I don't know. It's one of those things, like, when I have my hood up, I realize, like, my hair, for some reason, doesn't get as greasy. So I just mm-hmm. kind of, like, when I'm on the plane, I, like, put the put the hoodie up. I have my mask on. All you can see is, like, my eyes. I yeah. kind of look like some hoodlum. But, um, but no, I just, I, it makes me feel less icky. And I don't get, like, the scratchy throat and stuff, like, after I, you know, when you get, like, kind of, yes. like, the plain ick. Yes. I don't get, like, the plain ick. So I'm like, you know what? If that's working for me, I'm just yeah. going to keep on doing that. Because... Like, don't touch me. Don't breathe on me. Don't look at me. <laughs> yeah. I just, I also just hate being sick. Like, yeah, that's not ideal. So it's not. Yeah. But yeah, so those weddings were good. And now we're back home. And now I'm just still planning wedding and then also our annual festival for work. So yeah. that's fun. Yeah. I'll, I can catch you up with uh, the alligator gar results. I'll oh do it yeah, for my happy thing actually for I sure that would be a good happy thing. But we have like in between the last time we recorded and now, there's been so many news stories that have come. Oh out. yeah, the Turkish cave. Yes, I so saw there's... that when I was getting my nails done, and I was like, I I told you, I was like, I took a picture of this to remind me to send yeah. it to you, and then I forgot to send <laughs> it to you, <laughs> but then you texted me about it, and I was like, oh yes, that. Yeah, so Turkish. No, it wasn't Turkish. It was an American caver on an expedition who got trapped in a cave in Turkey because he got sick. And that's the story I'm going to go into because that one is probably the most on brand for us. But alongside that, the whole Burning Man fiasco happened. Oh, my God. I don't know, right? How funny about that? I mean, not funny, but also kind of funny. But <laughs> I mean, like, I don't want people to die. And some people there. Oh, shit. Someone did die, didn't they? Died. But like, oh, yeah, never mind. Then it's not all funny. the influencers that were there. I'm like, you know what? Y'all kind of deserve it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess that's why I thought I was like, how funny? Because I my my yeah. brain goes to like influencer culture. Yes. And like, and then it goes to like Firefest, 
And so like, that's where I was like, oh, it's like giving me Firefest vibes. But it was, it wasn't, it wasn't because the person that was coordinating it was a shithead. It was because weather happened. Yeah. But, um, but still, yeah, not funny. People actually died. I forgot about that. Yes. I think there were maybe only one or two deaths. Um, and I'm sure it had something to do with dehydration, hypothermia or exposure or probably yeah. be the biggest issues there um and i know the mud it wasn't caustic but it was definitely alkaline and not great for you to be like walking around in yeah um but basically it's just another event that happened in the summer of climate change that you know i think burning man at one point was like legit and cool and like was about art and like just going out and having fun in the desert but i think it's just turned into like another money grab or like mm-hmm. another like oh look i'm at burning man we take pictures and get like yeah another do it for the gram yeah which is a bummer and what because this happened the environment like the playa the area that they go to is not mm-hmm. going to recover for a while and people I'm just sure. left shit there they just left vehicles they oh, left trash like a ghost town yeah and it's like that's not cool you know what i mean no for people who are all supposedly about like self-reliance and you know trying yeah, to like, live and survive on their own and blah, blah. i know like, like clean up after yourself Jeez. yeah so that's that's all i have to say about burning man do you have anything else to add you can uh, uh no on? yeah i don't have anything else to add about burning man but that is yeah it's sad that people died from that i honestly yeah. thought that they would I, my first thought when i read that like one person died i was like oh i wonder if that's like a medical issue like if they couldn't mm. get access to like their medicine or something yeah but um I don't know, but the Turkish cave or the American caver in the Turk and in, in Turkey, I didn't actually read into that yet. I saw a little interview on the news about the guy, and I heard you know that it was a medical issue. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm interested to hear more. Okay, can I go into it? Yeah. So, um, the two articles I have are from NPR. So the American caver slash researcher is mark dickey and he's 40 years old um he was part of an expedition into the morka cave which is one of the deepest caverns in turkey when he fell ill i guess that was two weekends ago now it was on um Mm -hmm. so the problem was he was more than 3400 feet underground Oh, wow. And if you've listened to this podcast enough, you know that it's not like it's a straight shot to get out. Uh-uh. Um, you're climbing up things, you're repel or like repelling down things. Sometimes you're squeezing through like the tightest spaces. It's not like you can just like fucking walk out. Yeah, um, it's like you're kind of trapped. Yeah. So, and this is something that. I was watching a um I love Planet Earth and I rewatch yeah. it like once a year and I, I love their cave episode. It's like one of the first things that got me interested in this whole subject anyway, because they were filming in Lechagia Cave, which is in the southwest. And they were talking about like, well, if you break your ankle down here, you're basically fucked. Like 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> like you're kind of screwed. Sounds about so. right. So uh, Mark Dickey, who was a cave expert, found himself suffering from stomach bleeding. <gasps> so he How started th- throwing up blood and they're still not really sure why. Oh my God. So he was sick and throwing up and he would not be able to do a lot of those really intense things like climbing around and scrambling because he's literally like keeping up blood and he couldn't keep anything down. So uh, over the the past week, cave rescuers, doctors and paramedics rushed to find and treat him inside this cave. Um, And these were organizations from all over the world. Again, very similar to like the Thai cave soccer team deal except it was less intense because it's just one person and yeah. the cave is dry but you know it's kind of the same idea so so apparently his his condition started appro- improving so the bleeding has stopped and he was able to, to start walking but they didn't he, they knew that like getting him out of the cave is going to be like extremely complicated and arduous on his body um the European Cave Rescue Association said that rescue missions from such deepness are very rare, extremely difficult, and lead to uh, or need very many experienced cave rescuers. And the doctors had to give approval to begin transporting him. So this gets into a little bit of like what actually happened. So he uh, suddenly felt like severe gastric pain. His condition hmm. rapidly worsened, and it was clear that Dickie could not leave the cave on his own. Um, Is that like, could that have happened because of like a pressure change? Because um, this doesn't pressure change when you go into caves. I don't know no? that it changes that much. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't. They. I don't think I was looking for like a reason, and they. There's not really one out huh. yet. Um. So over the next accident, I know over the next week, teams from Bulgaria, Italy, Croatia, Poland, and Turkey joined the rescue effort, setting up a telephone connection, installing rope systems inside the cave and building an underground camp. They were able to record videos of Dickie. He was with other people. um, And Dickie in a, a video recording said that he felt alert and able to talk, but had not healed on the inside yet and thanked rescuers and Turkish government for their quick response. Um, He said the caving world is a really tight knit group and it's amazing to see how many people have responded on the surface. The quick response of the Turkish government to get medical supplies that I need, in my opinion, saved my life. I was very close to the edge. So from what he says, it, uh, he was very close to dying initially. Yeah. It sounds like it, but yeah, so he's still, in the cave or he was still in the cave at that point and this article says a similar rescue in germany took place in 2014 took nearly two weeks to bring somebody out of the cave and over 700 people were involved so then what happened was they needed to bring him out um and this happened um i believe this uh monday no, last Monday. <laughs> last Monday, um, September 11th. Um, so this was after more than a week 
of him being in the cave seriously ill. So teams from across Europe rushed to the cave um, to aid him. So he was um, too frail to climb out himself. So rescuers carried him with the help of a stretcher, making frequent stops at temporary camps to set up along the way. And like, I've seen pictures of him literally being like hoisted out, like in a stretcher. Um, And by Monday, um, he was out of the cave. He was removed from the last exit of the cave at um, around midnight on on tuesday so they say they say he's um fine and being tended by emergency the emergency medical workers in the encampment above the and his parents um thanked the government for helping rescue him saying that the fact that our son mark dickey has been moved out of morca cave in stable condition is indescribably relieving and fills us with incredible joy um so bad yeah so he was first treated inside the cave by a Hungarian doctor who went down in the cave on September 3rd. Um, and then they all took turns taking care of him. The cause of his illness is still not clear. Nearly 200 experts collaborated on the rescue. Um, the biggest challenges were steep vertical sections and navigating through mud and water at low temperatures in the horizontal sections. There's also the physical toll of staying inside a dark, damp cave for extended periods of time. Around 190 experts from Bulgaria, Croatia, Hungary, Italy, and Poland, and Turkey took part in the rescue. And teams comprising of a doctor and three or four other rescuers took turns staying by his side at all times during the rescue. So the rescue began on Saturday the 9th after doctors who administered IV fluids and blood determined that he could make the ascent or that they could take him up. Before the evacuation could begin, rescuers had to widen some of the cave's narrow passages, install ropes to pull him up vertical shafts on a stretcher, and set up uh, temporary camps along the way. Um, Dickie himself is a well-known cave researcher and cave rescuer. He's done this too, and he's participated in many international expeditions. Um, His, the reason he was on this trip in the first place was that they were mapping the cave system for the Anatolian Speleology Group Association. Wow. Um, Yes. So he's like an expert and he just happened to get sick that's like deathly ill so yeah i wonder yeah. what happened like that's I, scary like vomiting blood yeah. is never good yeah that's probably not what you want yeah um so he's been sent to the hospital he's improving he's thanked the caving community turkish government um and many of the rescuers are remaining in the cave to remove the rope and rescue equipment used during the operation. So that's the gist of what happened. Okay. That's interesting. Um, it's I it's like I did not have vomiting blood on the bingo card. I thought it would have been like a <laughs> I thought it would have been like a diabetic event or something. Yeah. I feel like, like are there diabetic cave like people? I don't, I mean, surely there has to be, right? Like, 
I don't there's know. Like diabet- I don't know. There's like I'm- diabetic of all kinds of people, like no matter their hobby. No, no, no. There, there absolutely are. But like, you have to get doctor's notes if you're a diabetic to do stuff like this. Like oh. Corey almost couldn't get uh, dive so certified. certified. And gotcha. that's just basic. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. Or I don't know. Or maybe like he didn't know he was diabetic. You know what yeah, I mean? Like maybe. something. I mean, there's a, a lot of things it could be. Um, I'll be curious to see if they uh, say what, what it actually ends up being. Um, yeah. And this all, like I said, came from NPR. An American researcher is trapped deep inside a Turkish cave. Here's what to know. And then the other one, I cannot, I just exited out, but it's another NPR article about the actual rescue. Gotcha. Um, and I have an answer for the Burning Man death. Oh, what happened? They think it was an overdose. Oh, I can see that too. Yeah, Yeah. drugs. So it wasn't from the actual disaster. Yeah. So all those influencers can go fuck themselves. (laughs) Just, um, I don't know. Like the influencer culture is just weird to me. It's weird and it's like unnecessary in today's day and age. Like we don't... Like I've seen people be like hey can you take my photo and like they literally fake laugh and like fake like they're having a good time and then like they post it and then they're like oh my god so much fun when in reality it's like that was literally like three minutes of their their trip you know what I mean like I I don't know so yeah and it's it just seems like a lot of effort environmental degradation and just waste yeah to go out and build a temporary city in the desert just to leave and it's like i don't know leave it a ghost town after like it floods yeah and it's not just the playa um it's like if if there's like a trail of just disgusting garbage leading away from this place like like mm-hmm. in Vegas and in other towns that are like nearby, like the dumpsters are like overflowing. There's like buckets of human shit. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like people That's are just gross. leaving that. And it's like, yeah. so it's hurting the communities surrounding. Like, <sighs> yeah, that sucks. I don't know. Just be better behaved if you're going to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I know. I mean, like, it's one of those things. Like, didn't your parents tell you to clean up after yourself? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know i don't know it's Maybe just, just me. it's this whole like um like festival concert phenomenon you know yeah i that, don't think i've i mean like i've been to like i don't know like concerts that have like multiple acts like i, yeah. I want to say like the closest thing that i've ever been to like a festival like that would be like the memorial day weekend festival that they have in virginia beach like it's like three days there's concerts on yeah the beach. like that's probably the closest thing that i've been to in that kind of sense i mean i've been to cma fest but that's very like regulated i guess like mm-hmm. i don't know like you're in the city so it's yeah like if, you, if you have trash there's tons of trash cans around right like you just throw it in the trash can you well know? like the infrastructure exists for like yeah that many people 
Yeah. Yeah. I've never been to Coachella. I've never nope. been to Burning Man. I've never been to um, Lollapalooza. That's, yeah, that's the other one, Lollapalooza. Glastonbury. The one that I actually do want to go to, though, is the Big Sky Festival that's out in Montana. And it's yeah. like a lot of like red dirt country kind of singers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I wanted to go this year, but the, the dates didn't line up. And yeah. So that was a bummer, but it looks yeah. fun. Yeah, as my dad stated, it was a mixture between Fire Festival and Woodstock 99. And I think that that very much sums it up. Yes, that does. <laughs> yeah. Well, so in addition to those two events, um, also there was a 4.6 magnitude earthquake in Morocco. Oh and my God, yeah. As of right now, uh, potentially... 280 people were killed by the earthquake or not sorry two, so sad. 2,800 yeah. people yeah and I read something it's like it, it was something to the tune of like what four million children have been displaced or like it was yeah. some large large number of yeah. like so many children it's so sad and it's I mean they don't I guess they don't have earthquakes there um that often so like the infrastructure is not built for it yeah but it's like it's crazy that there's just one event after another, it feels like. <laughs> Dude, California's getting hurricanes. The desert is freaking flooding. Morocco's getting earthquakes. Like, yep. Maine got a hurricane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, summer of climate change. Although earthquakes aren't cli- caused by climate change. But that's besides the point. It just feels it's, Yeah, it just slightly... feels like the world is ending. Yeah, slightly apocalyptic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So on to probably equally scary things, <laughs> but in a different way. It oh, is... it's the beginning of spooky season it's for us, isn't it? season, yeah. Woohoo! I know. I have some good stories lined up, and we will be um, returning for... Appalachian Trail Tales Part Two. Soon. Oh, I like yes. that. Appalachian so, Trail Tales. Yeah, and Corey will be joining us again, so it'll oh, be yay! A, a reprise of that because I I don't know I thought that one was really fun. <laughs> yeah, no, that was fun. Yeah. So, um, I'm starting today with um starting today with um a monster attack. Oh, sorry. sorry, I was yawning. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> or rather, if uh, you see, you know, animals as animals and not as terrifying monsters, an animal attack, you know. Oh, yes, yes. an animal attack. An animal I'm attack. looking at your map right here, too. And my cryptid story is right around that area. So, yes, I'm so excited. On the money. So excited to get back into, I love Conservation Corner because I feel like, you know, it's good to but be- cryptid edu- Corner is better. <laughs> it's good to be educational, but when it's spooky season, it's okay to have a little bit of fun. Just yeah. saying. Besides, we're going to talk about like an animal, a Conservation Corner. Basically, it's just going to be the whole episode is going to be con- Conservation yeah. Corner. Plus, so buckle up, kids. Grab yeah. your backpack. Grab <laughs> <laughs> 
and maybe a bottle of wine oh yeah that's right you don't even know the intro anymore no because we don't say it i just have it pre-recorded when we like really didn't know what we were doing with our oh my god we should probably redo that intro at some point yeah now that we know what we're doing yeah maybe maybe (laughs) that requires effort though Haley. it's okay (laughs) we're already on (sighs) all right so we're gonna talk about grizzly bears which i would never i was talking to somebody about this the other day i would never want to see a grizzly bear in front of me ever i've seen one I would shit my pants. Mm-hmm. First thing, that'd be it. <laughs> I, would, I think I would go paralyzed. You know, I, I ran through a lot of these scenarios in my head before my dad and I went out to Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what if we're on the trail? What if a bear walks in front of us? What if, like, we, mm-hmm. we don't have bear spray? Like, we should have bear spray, but what what happens if we're out? Like, what if the can's mm-hmm. dead? You know, like, I was, mm-hmm. like, going through all of that. And I was unwell. Because, you know, I saw that bear in Alaska. Well, <laughs> well, I you I told you the story of the bear encounter I had in Alaska. Ever since yes. then, I was like, no, thank you. I never yeah. like that was cool to see a bear in the mm-hmm. wild that close. I'm not, not so sure about that being so cool. Yeah, so yeah. I and the fact that it turned towards me too. I was like, oh fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I saved this one for after your Yellowstone trip. I appreciate that because that would have made me even more unwell. Yes. Thankfully, we both live in places that are grizzly bear. uh, Well, they probably were hunted to extinction here. And that's why they're not here anymore. But yes, there's no grizzly bears here. Um, But there are bears. We have black bears down here. Yes, we do as well. So... In 1967, speaking of being hunted to extinction, grizzly bears have been hunted close to extinction in the lower 48 United States, Mm -hmm. with Glacier National Park becoming a refuge for the species. In the 1960s, biologists didn't think that the resident grizzlies were dangerous, as they had rarely bothered visitors in the 57 years since the park's founding. Hmm. Um, and Glacier Park grizzlies had never killed a human, which is very different from how we view them now. As yes. Dangerous predators. That's funny how they're like, oh, they've never bothered us. They're fine. Yeah. Like, yeah. They got big ass claws, sharp teeth. They weigh so much. Like, what is it? Like, a hundred over, like, is it like a couple tons? Don't they weigh? How much do they weigh? Uh, I think I have that information further down. I don't oh, know sorry. Well, we can no, get to okay. that. But also, it's like, how do you not think that they could kill somebody? That's I my know. point. It's they're, like, they're, they're there. Weird. They don't bother us. But also, like, what? Yeah. And I yeah. bet back then, there was, like, less, like, human interaction with, like, leaving food out to, like, bait them in. Maybe I'm wrong. No? Very I'm wrong. wrong. Oh, wrong. we're going to go. I'm, I'm just going to let you tell the story then. <laughs> we're going to go on a journey of why bear safety laws and rules exist in the parks today. Oh, okay. This is the story you... of how that all started. Oh, the... yeah. okay. I'm I'm buckled up. Yeah. Um, have you seen that meme or maybe it was like a Twitter post that one of the national parks, it could have been Yellowstone, was like, 
so talking about the bear trash cans that they have and it was like there is significant overlap in the smartest bear <laughs> and this dumbest human yes. so that's why we have to make these trash cans like this. <laughs> <laughs> I loved that I loved yeah. that yes because bears are pretty smart and uh yeah. that's why yeti claims that their their coolers are bear proof and I'm like mm, I don't think so <laughs> do they really claim that I didn't know mm-hmm. that I just thought that it was just like really yeah. high quality stuff yeah. that's why they charge oh. so much for it because <laughs> oh, bears can't unlatch it supposedly huh i don't believe it though yeah. i don't believe it so for a large part of the 20th century grizzlies living in national parks largely subsisted on human garbage at dumps oh uh-huh at yellowstone bleachers were erected around the dumps so visitors could watch bears forage on the garbage oh my god this is horrible yes i hate this already i have a picture of it um oh at glacier the granite park chalet was reportedly feeding its food scraps to bear visitors which would appear every night it, like the Yellowstone dump, became a spectacle for visitors to watch from the chalet. Yeah. Uh, so biologists, park biologist David Shea said the chalet had actually been advertising, come to Granite Park and see grizzly bears. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's how, so, that's how wrong I was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like literally the next line was like, yep, they just foraged in the dumps. <laughs> yeah. Oh, those poor bears. They're not even eating yeah. good stuff and that. It's just trash. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was there and much easier to get than like trying to chase down like a moose or an elk or something. Yeah. So, so obviously this wasn't park policy. And when the biologists saw it, they knew it wasn't right. And knew it was basically an incident waiting to happen. Um, the campground at Trout Lake in uh, Glacier National Park wasn't much better, with trash and food strewn everywhere. The result of this treatment of bears was that uh, the bears lost their fear of humans and began to associate us with food. Yep. <clears throat> yep. So that's, that's the main reason why people say don't feed the animals. Yeah, <laughs> start associating you with food and then they come closer and then they yeah. start getting aggro mm-hmm. when you don't have food well when they stop fearing you that's the other thing too well yeah because then it brings them out of their habitat and they can get hit mm-hmm. by cars and just like the digestive system mm-hmm. and it just wreaks havoc everywhere it's a whole fucking thing yeah and um we've done stories about uh animal attacks before we did we actually, we did The Revenant. <laughs> we did. Yeah. And Corey and I, while you were sick, uh, we talked about the Sabo lions, which was a, a very, um, it wasn't an isolated case because they killed a ton of people, but they were both behaviorally unsound because they both wow. had like teeth and jaw um, issues. And so, oh, they so there's hunt. like, yeah, there's yeah. Like pain and stuff and then they couldn't hunt at all. Yeah. So typically um, with bears, it's like, unless it's like a mama bear situation where she's trying to protect her cubs, 
Um, for the most part, bears won't attack you um, unless you give them yes. a reason to or yeah. you change their behavior so much that they stop fearing you kind of thing. I was a couple years ago, I was hiking old rag and literally at the trailhead to the right in the bushes were black bear cubs. Mm-hmm. And I should have been more freaked out about that because I was like, where's the mom? I don't see the mom anywhere. But I just kept going on my merry way. And then, like, I look back on that. I'm like, I was so fucking stupid. Like, honestly, like, I probably should have just, like, turned around because I was by myself. And, like, we don't Mm -hmm. have bear spray in Virginia. I was like, I don't know what's going to happen to me. Well, and black bears are a lot less likely to attack people than grizzly bears. However, when they do, it's brutal. They will maul you. Yeah. Yeah. I just, bears in general, I'm more scared of bears than I am of sharks. I am too. I am too. Because usually sharks are like, "Mm, let me taste you. I take a bite. Oh, I don't like that. I'm going to swim away. Yeah. My bad. Scar. (laughs) You know, like, it just happens that their taste test might kill you, but yeah. mm, But there's a chance it won't. (laughs) But there's a chance it won't. And they're just being curious. And if you just kind of stay out of their way, you're fine. But with bears, oh no. Fuck that. They commit. Yeah. They commit. So uh, let's talk about Glacier National Park. I've actually never been here. It sounds me neither. I want to go. Yeah. Um, So it sits on the northwestern corner of Montana, on the border with Canada. I think Alberta maybe is the province above it. Um, And Canadian and stuff. So yeah, yeah. Um, So it covers uh, sixteen thousand square miles of the northern Rocky Mountains. It was established in 1910 and called the Crown of the Continent. And is home to 130 glacial lakes, a thousand different species of plants, and hundreds of species of animals. The region was first inhabited by the Blackfeet and Flathead groups, but the government put pressure on the Blackfeet to cede their treaty lands in 1895 to form the park, which a lot of people don't know, but a lot of the national parks are, are stolen land. Yeah, um, that's so. a bummer. Yeah, like a lot of them. It's it's a little yeah. depressing. Yeah. Well, um, that makes sense because anywhere you go in these national parks, there's always some like tribute to the mm-hmm. natives that live there. Mm-hmm. That makes yeah. perfect sense. So I still say that national parks are one of our better ideas as a country, but I wish it didn't involve like pushing people off of their yeah. like, native land. So, um, but Along with the mountains, the park is home to 25 glaciers, and scientists have estimated that these glaciers may disappear by 2030. Oh, that's super sad. That's, like, literally in our lifetime. That's literally, like, right around the corner. Yeah. It's estimated that in the mid-19th century, there were 150 active glaciers in this park, and that's why the park gets its name. The park still maintains almost all native and original species, however including black bears, bighorn sheep, elk, moose, mountain lions, mountain goats, wolves, wolverines, lynx, and the titular grizzly bear. That's where we are today. It is a huge park. It's it's a big park. She's a big one. Yeah. Um yeah, I've always wanted to go there. Yeah, you know, I've I've driven through Montana, um but I haven't really spent a whole lot of time in Montana. And I, I, it sounds amazing, frankly. So yeah, I don't, <laughs> nice I, don't I don't think I've actually ever gone through Montana. Mm-hmm. 
we we drove up when we moved from um colorado springs to tacoma washington oh okay which is how we went to yellowstone and um the grand tetons on that trip so that's how i've been to those places but glacier wasn't it was like out of our way so we didn't end up going to that one yeah that's real far up there yeah so anyway let's talk a little bit about grizzly bears so you can know just how terrifying they are and their uh scientific name is ursos arctos horribilis 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 works for me horrible yeah well yeah like horrible but illis at the end yeah Um, so they're a subspecies of the North American brown bear. They're not technically their own species, which a lot of people don't know. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, there are other subspecies also called grizzlies, including the Kodiak bear and the Kamchat- Kamchatka bear. And um, both are larger than mainland grizzlies. Oh, really? Oh, mm-hmm. fuck that. I thought grizzlies were huge. I would never want to see one of those other bears then. Yeah, I'd shit my pants. Um, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> so grizzlies were actually named by Lewis and Clark as they were describing them as grizzly, like G R I S, yeah, grizzly, like grizzly, yeah, grizzly, which could be interpreted as grizzled, meaning gray-tipped hair, um, which makes sense because a lot of them are kind of blonde almost, yeah. Um, or gris- grisly, meaning fear-inspiring, which also makes a ton of sense. <laughs> yes, because they are scary. <laughs> Grizzlies used to range across a good majority of the North American continent, even as far down as into Mexico, as far east as Michigan and Ohio, but are now relegated to Canada, Alaska, and a few spots in the American Rockies, including Glacier National Park. They can be up to 858 pounds in weight, so almost a ton. And that is a full-grown male. Almost eight feet in height and have coats that range from blonde to nearly black. Uh, About 60,000 wild grizzlies are found in North America today with 30,000 of them in Alaska and 29,000 of them in Canada and only about 10,000 of them in the mainland U.S. Or sorry, 1,000 of them in the mainland U.S. Math. What is math? Math. Was the math math in? (laughs) That says 10,000? So we don't have that many in the lower 48. Yeah. Um, they're mostly in Alaska. Alaska and Canada. Yeah. yeah. Alaska and Canada. 29,000 in Canada and 30,000 of them in yes. Alaska. I can't do math. So well, I apologize. The way you spelled them too is making me laugh. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't, you know, if you guys ever go through and look at um, like the scripts I write for myself, they're feverish. I don't spell things correctly pronunciation is fucking out the window so it could be a good time to go back and read some i get a kick out of it it's fun <laughs> i enjoy following along uh so historically uh they have been hunted to near extinction in the lower 48 during the colonization of the american west along with the bison slash buffalo um but their primary prey food includes moose elk deer bison salmon and trout and significant amounts of berries and wild legumes because they are technically omnivores like us yep yep yeah they do eat a lot of berries 
Yeah, they do. They, they get into that. Um, grizzlies have been known to attack, kill, or even eat humans under specific conditions, which makes sense because I don't think we'd be very tasty. Like, we don't have a lot on us and compared to, like, an elk or something. No, but, like, I'm just, like, the specific conditions, is that just, like, where they are, like, so hungry? Mm-hmm. Or is it, or is it, like, they got some, like, behavioral issues? Yes. And, yeah, eat both of them, probably. Yes. And, yeah, again, just- with, like, the mama bear kind of thing, that's also a, a condition that would, yeah. you know. And that's, that's a, a natural behavior. But the behaviors we're going to talk about today stem from unnatural introductions gotcha. um, into their their behavior. So this is the grizzly we know today, but this fear or respect of the animal was not always the case and definitely was not the case when Julie Hegelson and Michelle Coons worked in the park in 1967. And so today we're going to be talking about the... Uh, the event called the night of the grizzlies oh wow yes plural yes more than one grizzly so we're going back to our food dumping glacier national park in the late 60s oh my goodness um julie hegelson was a 19 year old from alberta leah minnesota who was spending the summer working as a laundress at East Glacier Lodge and went on a backpacking trip with her boyfriend, 18-year-old Roy Ducat, who worked as a busboy at the lodge as well. Hegelson's trip took her from Logan Pass, about eight miles up the popular Highline Trail, to the Granite Peak Chalet, um, where they would make camp. They arrived at camp at 7 p.m. August 13th, uh, 1967 and ate dinner and watched the sunset before going to bed in the same sleeping bag under the stars. The chalet, which was only a quarter of a mile away from where they were sleeping, was packed with guests during the busy summer season. Oh my god, did they leave food in their tent and they got mauled? Well, if you remember, the fucking chalet was throwing their food out for the grizzly bears yeah, to come see. Yeah, that's true too. Yeah, okay, keep t- keep going, keep mm-hmm, going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Michelle Coons, much like Julie, was a 19-year-old from San Diego, California, who spent the summer working in the gift shop of West Glacier's Lake McDonald Lodge. She and Paul Dunn, Ray Nosek, Ron Nosek, and Denise Huckle, who were all um, also park employees as well, embarked on a steep eight-mile hike to Trout Lake, where they decided to make camp. A grizzly actually crashed their campsite around 8 p.m. while they were making dinner, made off with their hot dogs, fish, and a backpack. So they had a grizzly come in and steal their food while they were out trout lake oh my god Um, and they think this is the same grizzly as this event that happened a week earlier a troop of girl scouts were hiking in the same area when they were chased by a bear the bear stole some of the girls food and moved on no one was injured so nothing really happened yeah Um, park biologist david shea spoke of the bear saying that bear had been hanging around at the head of Lake McDonald 
where there was a private outfit called Kelly's Camp. It was going back and forth, getting into garbage there. That was the same bear. We knew there was something not quite right with it. In those days, the management philosophy was different. Looking back, yeah, (laughs) a lot different. And he was only a summer hire at the time, so he wasn't even like like a main person who could like make decisions as far as like what the policy should be. Gotcha. Um, so looking back, hindsight is 2020. Something should have been done today. That bear would have been a goner, which is absolutely true. Yeah. Maybe um, they would have euthanized it. Yeah. Or moved or it somewhere else. Relocated it. Yeah. Yeah. So Michelle's group decided to move their gear and brought their remaining snacks, some cookies and Cheez-Its to the beach. So they stayed. After mm-hmm. this bear, like, that's brave. Stole their, f- I, right. But at the time, people were like, oh, they're just grizzly bears. They just want to eat some snacks. Yeah. It's like, mm. so they too slept in their sleeping bags under the stars, settling into a ring around the campfire. The night prior to the 13th, severe lightning storms had threatened the park with wildfires, and rangers were out late escorting trucks through burn areas. Another lightning storm lit up the night on the 13th as well. Oh, wow. This wasn't Friday the 13th, was it? Jeez. I don't know. That's a, a good question. Bad luck is happening. I could go look it up real quick. 1967, August 13th. 13th? It was a Sunday in 1967. Lame. <laughs> no. It would have been cool if it was a Friday. It would have been. I've been like, oh, that's spooky. Mm-hmm. This is spooky enough, though. It's a reason I chose it for spooky season, because it just made me feel some kind of way. So meanwhile, shortly after midnight, a grizzly bear watered into Julie and Roy's camp. Um, Roy recalled being awoken by Julie, who whispered to him to play dead, and that there was a bear nearby. The grizzly began knocking the two out of the sleeping bag, within minutes, um, biting and clawing Roy, who tried to stay still during his mauling, trying to play dead. Oh my god, that's frightening. That could never. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be screaming. Right. The bear then turned its attention to Julie and began dragging her about 100 yards away. She screamed, someone help us, as it did. Roy, weak with blood loss, with his arm badly mangled, managed to run to the other campers nearby and, like, alert them of the situation. He recalled hearing her screams trail away as the bear dragged her into the woods. Oh, my God. So. That is frightening. And this is, like, right next to, basically, a hotel. Yes. That they're at. Oh, my God. That's so scary. And so sad, too, like, witnessing that of, like, your girlfriend. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, rangers actually held up the search party for Julie because they were afraid of putting more visitors at risk who were not aware of the situation because they hadn't, like, gone around all the campers and been like, hey, there's a grizzly bear eating people. You guys got to get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. So, two hours actually passed before the group began looking for her. They followed a trail of blood downhill from the campsite where they found Julie face down 400 feet away from their original campsite. They carried her back up to the chalet. She was still alive at this point. 
She said it hurts several times, but otherwise was unresponsive. She was brought up to the chalet where a doctor staying there attended to her at 3.45 a.m. She died at 4.12 a.m. just after a helicopter landed. That was supposed to take her and Roy to the hospital, but only Roy was going to make that trip. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. The doctor on scene said that the puncture wounds to her throat and lungs were fatal, and that's what ended up killing her. Oh, that's so scary. That's so sad. Especially because she was, like, the one that was, like, trying to help her boyfriend, like, hey, play dead. Yeah. And then she ends up dying. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, and she was alive for a long time. Yeah. Um, While they were fiddle farting about trying to figure out what they wanted to do. Yeah. So, like, if they didn't hold up the thing, maybe she could have survived. But I don't know. Yeah. If, the, if, the, if she had puncture wounds to her lungs and throat. Yeah. Well, and it's, like. Chance of survival. My stomach's making a weird noise. I apologize. I can't hear it. No, I can't hear you. You're good. <laughs> Quite all right. Um, they don't, like, have a policy of what to do. Right? Yeah. Because up until this point, they've just been like, oh, they're chill. Like, <laughs> They're not that chill. I did tell you. So around the same time, at around 4.30 a.m., a grizzly appeared in Michelle Kuhn's camp. So the one up oh, in yeah. Travelink. Yeah. It was likely the same grizzly that had stolen the group's food just a few hours earlier. The bear began sniffing around, inspecting the camper's sleeping bags. The danger became imminent when a bear bit into one of the young man's sleeping bags and clawed at his sweatshirt. Denise Huckle accounts awakening to the bear sniffing her bag and it and she was close enough to see its face in the dark and feel its breath on her skin. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. She laid still, playing dead. The camper soon, however, quickly got out of their sleeping bags and climbed up into the trees, yelling for Michelle Coons to join them. Michelle, however, got stuck in her sleeping bag when the zipper wouldn't Oh, open. no. Oh, that poor girl. Before she could do anything, the bear tore open her sleeping bag and drug her away. Oh, my God. She, the other campers heard her say, he's got my arm off. Oh, God, I'm dead. Oh, my God. That's so sad. The party stayed in the trees for more than two hours. Sorry. For two. (laughs) There's a lot of errors in this script <laughs> sorry i don't care uh the part the ruining the mood i was all like in the moment and now i'm like what? laughing at my own stupidity the just party stayed <laughs> edit it out <laughs> the party stayed in the trees for more than two hours before running down to the nearest ranger station so they were in the trees fucking listening to her Oh, that's very traumatizing. All the screams and the growling and, ugh. I don't, I don't, I feel so bad for people that have to witness something like that. I feel bad for the people who have to experience something like that's not a good way to go. No. Yeah. I mean, yes, I feel bad for them too, but I'm also (laughs) saying like the people that survived and have to live with that trauma, like that's, yeah. So not like talk about having PTSD. Are you kidding me? Like, yeah. I couldn't, I would never be able to go camping ever. Uh, again. Me neither. 
Rangers Leonard Landa and 27-year-old Bert Gildart, who had known of the Granite Park chalet attack, were startled when they heard dispatch call for help over the radio. Um, At first, the two thought it was a mistake, considering Julie had just been mauled to death a few hours before. But they realized that this was another separate attack, and the two were sent in search of Michelle. Oh my goodness. Uh, Landa leaving first with Michelle's fellow hikers and Gildart hurrying up the trail to join them. Gildart says at the experience, we were all a little spooked by this time. Here's a bear that's pulled a girl out of a sleeping bag. What kind of creature is this? Yeah. You yeah. learn about grizzly bears real quick. And he, I mean, this kid, I call him a kid because he's younger than me or was younger than me at the time. He's 27, you know, mm-hmm. like I guess in the 60s, that's like a full adult. But yeah, to me, I'm like, this is an adult. You barely know like how to pay your taxes. You know what I mean? Yeah. So after reaching the campsite, Landa, Gildart, and the hikers found Michelle's mauled body within um, 100 yards of the campsite. Gildart recounts the scene, saying, when Leonard and I and the helicopter helicopter pilot found this girl, she was horribly mauled. She was mangled beyond belief. At the time, I said, how did this happen? Is this the nature of bears? Her body was lifted out of the backcountry by a helicopter. The park rangers were stunned by the night's events. Although Landa had heard about a bear harassing campers that night at Trout Lake at another camp, and Gildart had confirmed the rumor of the chalet hotel feeding scraps to the bears nightly. So there were there were signs. Mm-hmm. But again, there were there was like no protocol really. Yeah, they just didn't know. Kind of the first big incident that just kind of sparked bear safety. Um, yeah. No, yeah, I would say that's wild. That's very frightening. Well, and I just always assumed that all these rules were in place from forever. because I know, like, from the get-go, because that's just, like, what, what should happen, but... It's a grizzly bear, like... <laughs> yeah. But they... It wasn't, and I mean... 1960s was a while ago, but it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. You know, so. So cool. So, so horrific. Yes. In the aftermath of the attacks, Rangers decided the best course of action was to eliminate the offending bears, which if a bear kills a human is typically the route we take because, um, you know, once a man killer might be a man killer again kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but it's still unfortunate. So Gildar and Landa headed to look for the bear at Trout Lake the day after the attacks. Um, Gildar spotted the bear at 4 a.m. when he stepped out of the cabin where the men were spending the night. He called for Landa to bring the gun and with within minutes, the bear charged at them. Both men fired, killing the bear. A forensic investigator came to collect the bear, which ended up being an emaciated female whose stomach was found to contain a tangled mass of undigested human hair. Oh, I was going to ask how they knew it was the bear, but I guess like the behavior of it, just charging them, that's kind of yes sign number one. But then, yeah, the, the necropsy will tell yep. you that too. Mm-hmm. 
Meanwhile, up at the chalet, Shay, the biologist, shot a total of three bears, including one believed to have killed Julie. Shay said, I was basically told by the folks in Washington, D.C. to kill any bears I saw coming for in for the garbage. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. That'd be like all of them. Yes. One of the bears Shay killed was a sow with two cubs. Oh. Yes. Yes. Another park ranger thought it would be best to shoot the cubs, but botched the shot and shattered one of the cubs' jaws. Oh. Somehow, the two cubs survived the winter before being killed, and the following summer, when they returned to feed on the garbage, identifying the bear responsible for Julie's death was more difficult than the one responsible for Michelle's. Mm -hmm. Um, But Shay believed that it was the sow with the two cubs stating, I don't think there were human remains found, but since she had cubs and she had blood on her claws, it was probably that bear. Gotcha. So they ended up killing more bears than were actually responsible. Yeah, that's sad. I hate that. Um, so you know, just bad shit all around. Yeah. Uh, many speculated on what would have caused the bears to do this. Um, some speculated that the victim's scream ag- aggravated the bears. Uh, others have guessed that the lightning and the fire the previous night had caused the bears to be stirred up and agitated. Others, specifically with Michelle Kuhn, speculated that the bear was attracted to her because she was menstruating, which is oh. a very 1960s thing to say. Like, are bears attracted to the scent of blood? They're not sharks, people. Like, Yeah. <laughs> Also, if that was the case, women literally could not go outside if, like, I know were attracted to that. I know. It's like every... Yeah. No. Trust me. I've been in the ocean many a time when that was going on and I did not get attacked by a shark. So yes. it's it's not... It's such a sexist, like, take. I know. It's like, oh, she was <laughs> menstruating, so therefore... Therefore... It's her fault. It's, yeah. it's almost like victim blaming. It's like, oh my goodness. I like yeah. how you say in parentheses here the 1960s. What a time. <laughs> <laughs> the misogyny was, <laughs> was rampant. Was a, oh, yeah. So Gildart stated that the bear that had killed Michelle had glass embedded in its teeth, hmm. probably from eating garbage. Yeah. Right? That makes them irritated and angry. Yeah, and probably wouldn't be very good at hunting. So here you had a bear with difficulty chewing and eating in the first place, as well as a bear that was horribly emaciated or run down. It couldn't eat. It weighed slightly over 200 pounds. It wasn't a big bear at all. It was about 20 years old and emaciated emaciated sow. That's the reason why it probably fed on the girl, Gildart stated. And he also stated that he was angry and didn't have a positive feeling about bears for years before he learned more about what had actually, what had caused that evening. He didn't have a positive feeling about bears for years before he learned more about what had caused the evening. But it's like, didn't they have positive feelings about bears prior? Because they were like, oh, they're just fine Yeah, but like after this happened, he stopped having a Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. After okay. the event, he was like, I have no more positive feelings. Yeah. Gotcha. Like, this is not a vibe. 
but um again there's like more reasons why this happened beyond just like bears are monsters and they just want to eat people it's like you know i feel like after watching this happen especially as a young ranger you would just like view every bear as like a monster until more actual scientific research was done on the animals so yeah i mean that's very traumatizing yeah i mean to find the body like uh that's rough be rough yeah so shay the biologist on the other hand was saddened by the events and had an immense respect for the bears despite everything that had happened he said i found the whole thing to be pretty disagreeable it wasn't really the bear's fault in the first place and now we had to kill all of these bears not to shift the blame but park management wasn't using common sense they weren't doing things right i wasn't angry so much as glad we learned a lot of good things even if we learned them the hard way um for the bear that killed Julie Hegelson, the couple had camped in a spot very close to the path where the bears would come to feed on the human garbage left out by the chalet. Shay stated, oh, wow. Yes. So, so they were like literally in the path uh-huh. of destruction. Yep. Shay stated of this, these were unusual situations. There was all this garbage there for one thing. And this young couple came to the chalet and they were told not to camp down there. They were told this is where the bears come through every night, but they were young and in love and both in the same sleeping bag. And, you know, they just thought power in numbers, probably. Yeah. That's sad, though. Yeah. That they were even told not to do that. Yes. But it's like, well, so why were you putting food out anyway? yeah like why were you doing that in the first place many feared that many would demand the species total extermination in the lower 48 united states because of this um however this event reshaped the country's approach to bear management and changed our approach to how we interact with bears and other predators today In the following months, Glacier Park administrators developed all the practices we associate with bear-smart outdoorsmanship today. Things like bear-proof garbage cans, separating sleeping and cooking areas, setting up backcountry permitting, hanging food, escorting those out of the park when they don't comply. Immediately after the attacks, the park initiated a strict pack-in, pack-out policy and dumps were eliminated. Rangers ticketed visitors who fed bears and kicked out campers with messy campsites. Areas were closed where grizzlies frequented trails, a practice done in many parks to this day with a variety of predators. Happened when I was in Big Bend. Um, about a month before we went, one of the trails I wanted to go on was closed because there were it was like mountain lion activity. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. When we were in Alaska, one of the trails was closed down because there was bear activity, like yep. high bear activity on it for about like the week or whatever time period that we were there for. Yeah. Uh, So the way uh, the biologist David Shea states it, the uh, bear management plan at Glacier National Park expanded from three pages to 50. Wow. You know, basically overnight. So yeah. An aggressive education program was also put into place specifically to prevent 
uh, park goers from getting close to the bears to take pictures or feed them, mm-hmm. which is kind of a problem Yellowstone still has today, but with like herbivores. Yeah. Yeah. So get impaled. Idiots. What do they call them? There's a name. There's like, uh, there's like this website about Yellowstone oh, tourists. It's like the Yellowstone fails or whatever, like the tourist fails of Yellowstone. Like the wall of shame, but it's like a social media site yeah. kind of thing. Taurons. 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 That's funny. That's what it is. Like, oh, there's a, a name for it. Um, so speaking of Yellowstone, Yellowstone followed in suit after this happened at Glacier, uh, but made the fatal mistake of closing their open pit dumps, which you think initially would be fine. That's what you would want to do. Yeah. Um, I something Wait, they going. close their open pit dumps. Yes. What's it? What's an open pit dump? It's just like a big dump where you know how they had the bleachers set up for people yeah. to come wash the bears. It was just a big pit in the ground with trash. Oh, and they closed that. Yeah. So you think that closing it would be a good thing, right? Because the bears won't come. Yeah, but they'll probably still come because they're used to it. Exactly. So in 1972, a grizzly killed a camper, and as a result, 189 bears were killed between 1968 and 1973. Oh, they had, yeah, that's a lot. Uh, They had been warned by premier bear biologists Frank and John Craighead that they could not just take away the dump food resource, cold turkey. Um, and these two biologists had introduced a way to like phase out the dumps by reducing trash heaps gradually and supplementing with elk carcasses to basically wean the bears on natural foods. So their food resource wasn't taken away just like all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not what happened. So the dump closure led to drastic conditions with only 136 bears remaining in Yellowstone in 1975. The government put them under the Endangered Species Act, and it has taken decades um, of conservation efforts to bring the number of bears um, in the park back up to healthy numbers. Yeah, I'm this. sure. Yes. Um, by the 2000s, the park was averaging only one attack annually and killing a bear every five years. So they're not in that much bad. shape. Yeah. Um, Still awful, the attacks happening and killing the bears, but I mean, yeah. they're yeah. wild animals and things exactly. will happen. Exactly. Due to these measures and education, grizzly, grizzly bear range has expanded into parts of their historic range in Wyoming, Montana, Alberta, and the Cascades. While Yellowstone is back up to 700 bears, the effects of climate change have been limiting food resources and alarming number of bears are dying beyond the park's boundaries. Glacier National Park has not been forced to kill or remove a grizzly bear since 2009. Um, If bears venture near the campgrounds, they are faced with a battery from rangers, basically barking dogs, exploding firecrackers, and gun-propelled beanbags aimed to scare the bears away, making them fear us instead of killing them outright. Yeah. The number of people entering the parks has been skyrocketing, too. In 1967, Glacier had around 4,000 visitors. Now it's over 2.6 million. Oh, wow. Yes. The parks have been so much more popular 
than they were yeah. at that time. While the ratio of attacks to visitors is much lower, uh, many rangers feel the wilderness is no longer. Jack Olson, the author of the now famous book Night of the Grizzly, stated, It is pure coincidence indeed that two grizzlies chose a few hours of a single night to take two victims who had so much in common, but it is no coincidence at all that the year in which this happened was 1967 and Place Glacier Park. Wow. That is the story of the Night of the Grizzlies and the event that led to our country's bear management rules. That's crazy. From three pages to 50. Yes. From one night. Yes. Golly. It's terrifying event. It is terrifying and it's sad, but it had to happen. Well, and it's a it's a good thing it's happened because it's led to better bear conservation, basically. Yeah. I'm not saying that those two girls should have died. That's not what I'm saying at all, but No, I know. I'm not saying that either. I'm like Silver Line. It was gonna it was gonna happen one day. Yes. You know what I mean? It was gonna happen eventually if since there was no management plan in place. Yeah yep so yeah there you go uh spooky season uh spookiest monsters are humans all along (laughs) Ah. (laughs) (laughs) oh god but honestly reading this gave me the heebie-jeebies and i left out some of the more gruesome stuff because (laughs) thank you i appreciate that i'm sure my mother appreciates that as well She listens religiously, I found out. Oh, yes. Sorry for the potty mouth. No, it's fine. More like, sorry for saying things, mom and dad. I'm sure I've embarrassed them a time or two. <laughs> um, but yeah, so. All right. All So for our cryptid, we are going with the Flathead Lake monster. Oh. And so that is... um just a little bit probably southwest of where we were for glacier national park it's like the next county over um so i could send you this link too so you can look at it because probably where all of the flathead native americans were pushed to you know what it probably was (laughs) um but what's funny is and i googled cryptids in montana Mm -hmm. and um there are three types of cryptids in montana and the first one is the shunka warakin uh i'm hoping i'm announcing it that right and that's like a dog type kind of cryptid Mm -hmm. and that is found more on like the eastern side of the state okay um and then bigfoot is the other cryptid that's of course Yes, pretty much all of the western side of the state is where uh, Bigfoot sightings are. But um, the Flathead Lake monster is in, like, the northwest corner where the Flathead County and Lake County is. So, safe bet that there is a lake called Flathead Lake there. Um, So, we're going to talk about the Flathead Lake monster. So, the number of sightings in Montana are 109. Mm-mm. The counties that it's cited in is Flathead and Lake County. Mm-hmm. And its monster profile is this. So, lake monsters are a dime a dozen in this country. Nebraska has the Alkali Lake Monster. New York has 
Kipsy and Champ. Caddy lives off the coast of Oregon and Ka- and Cassie off the coast of Maine. Like Erie has Bessie, like Tahoe has Tessie, and Chessie lives in the Chesapeake Bay. Yes, it does. But, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the Flathead Lake Monster, her name, well, I'm gonna say her, but I'm assuming it's her. Um, its name is Flessy to her adoring fans, huh. is no second-rate sea monster. She's the starlet of Lake and Flathead counties. Flessy's first appearance before a live audience came in 1889 when Captains James C. Kerr and his 100 steamboat passengers spotted an unusually large whale-like creature. Others since have described her features as being those of a sturgeon, or most commonly, a serpent. Eyewitnesses' testimony put her length between 20 and 40 feet, with roughly 80 counts of an eel-like creature with steel-black eyes. Despite variances in Flessy's physical description, all seem to agree on her temperament. She's no threat to Montanans, just the opposite. In fact, a 2017 newspaper article titled Lake Creature Saves Todd's Life gained national attention for describing Flessy's supposed rescue of a three-year-old boy. The child, who could not swim, was found soaking wet at the end of a dock. When asked what happened, he replied that he fell in the water and a monster lifted him back up. According to locals, you couldn't ask for a better cryptid than Flessy. There are murals and statues in her honor. The cove in Polson has an 18-inch pizza named after her. She even has her own line of handcrafted gourmet sodas. Hell yeah, she does. <laughs> Though her stardom is well-deserved, she hasn't let it go to her head. She's still shy as ever, making an appearance only a couple of times a year. So that's, oh that's the flathead lake monster Flessy. That's a cute story, though. She's got her own little fame. Yeah, it's almost like it's kind of like Mothman vibes because like Mothman <laughs> isn't, but he's not like nefarious. Not bad. He's, yeah, he's just trying to like warn you about stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, he's just there. Yeah, he's just there. He's big chilling. Yeah, with his tight butt. I mean, again, because uh, we talked about the Lake Tahoe Lake monster Tessie last mm-hmm. year. Yes. I'm like, what are the odds? It's just a really big sturgeon. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Probably is. But it's also kind of got like mermaid vibes, how it like pushes you back. Like the story of the, the yeah. kid being saved, that's like kind of mermaid vibes. I mean, a sturgeon could be a mermaid if it wants to. You yeah, know? it could push him back up. They have, I mean, they have personalities. They do. Yeah. We both worked with them at the aquarium and they. They liked pets. Just saying. Yes. They wanted pets. They were very sweet fish. I liked them yeah. a lot. Um, that's a good one, though. I really liked the paddlefish at the aquarium. That guy was oh, cute. I hated him. He's so stupid. I <laughs> made, what was it, like the chain pickerel that was in that tank with him? Oh, my mm-hmm. God. That thing almost took my hand off so many times. I was oh, like, I, I definitely <laughs> got bitten by that pickerel. <sighs> For sure. <laughs> Sucks. <laughs> yeah. Every time I try to feed the paddlefish, it'd come over and I'd be like watching him. I'm like, I see you. I see you eyeing me. I'd like talk to it, like shit talk it. I was like, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that's the Flathead Lake monster. I love it. Honestly, yeah. the real lake monsters, um, like IRL, are the freaking giant catfish that like hang out at the bottom of dams or like the size of like volkswagen bugs yes. i'm like that's terrifying because they will swallow you whole they yes. do not give a shit they will eat i know you. catfish are can get huge i know yeah 
I once, when I was snorkeling in the Keys, uh, came across a juvenile Goliath grouper that was like oh, fuck the, that. the size of me. <laughs> yeah. Like, and you're still a baby. <laughs> yeah. I don't fuck oh with those God. fish either. Yeah. I um, I was diving off the coast of Clearwater and I saw a Goliath grouper in the distance. Like it was shadowy. And uh-huh. you know how they thump? Like yes. as like a, I started thumping, but I was still like far enough away where it was like a shadow and I was oh, like, oh my gosh. god! I was like, I don't want to. That that thing's making me nervous. Yeah. I don't like this at all. Oh my gosh! <laughs> hey, yep. Uh, yeah, anyway. just uh, bears, giant fish. Just be careful. I don't know. Yeah, we're we're not. I think we like to think we're like at the top of the food chain because we've created this world in which we feel safe from other animals. But when you're out. In the wild, you are not at the top of the food chain. No, you're not. not. No, like <laughs> you are when you're inside your nice, comfy home. Yes, you're not when you're like being stalked by a mountain lion. Like, yeah, Mm-mm. yep. So we just need to remember that. Yes. Hi, Marcy. Alrighty, do you want to do happy things or should we just yeah. do our closer? We can do happy things. I guess Sorry. we have time. Yeah. Um, uh, my happy thing is we got pavers at our house. Oh, yeah, for your have, driveway or yeah, yard? for the driveway and underneath the house. So it's like actually a functional space now, which is great. I that. went away. Yeah, I went away and I came back with a driveway. So that was awesome. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> well, they called me while I was on vacation and I was like, um, I'm not home, but like, sure. <laughs> But just do I, it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thankfully Alex was still here for like a week before he left, mm-hmm. so like he was like kind of getting all that stuff ready. But I, I thought that they would give us like a week's worth of time to prepare, and they literally called us up and was like, "Oh, we can start tomorrow." And I was like, "Oh, okay, I'll have to figure that out." <laughs> yeah, like I'm not in the state right now. Yeah, but, uh... <laughs> but it all worked out, and it's it's been great having that down there. It's just yeah. very. It's nice. So that's my happy thing. Look, stuff. <laughs> you're like slowly getting it all together with the house. Because I remember when you first bought the house, I feel like you were somewhat overwhelmed by the work that had it's to be Yeah. Done. It's just yeah. a lot. And then yep. like, yeah, it's just a lot. But yeah, it's, it's, it's all coming there. together. It's yeah. getting there. Yeah. Little by little. Um, I guess my happy things... One, I went up to see Ethan this weekend and actually went outside in in nature and didn't die of heat exhaustion. So that was yes. nice. <laughs> that is very nice. Um, and went to a new state park that I've never been to before with really cool waterfalls. Um, so that was cool. Um, and then so we went around to all of the acoustic receivers in the array for my alligator gar project. Yes. Um, if you don't know, basically I tagged a bunch of gar so I can follow them around. <laughs> yeah. And alligator gar are very large predatory prehistoric fish. They're pretty dope. Um, so we got a ton of data back. Like so much. Oh yeah, like way more than you were anticipating. I am thrilled. Um, I've been working with it with R, and it's actually like showing some cool stuff. There's um a lot of variance in the behavior of the fish, like where they're going, 
um, which is cool, which maybe might be a size thing, might be a sex thing. We're still like trying to tease it out. But basically, um, a lot of the fish, I think 43 out of the 50 that I tagged are uh, shown back up um, on their array. Some of them oh, might wow. be dead now, but uh, most of them are still alive, which That's is awesome. cool. Because uh, mm-hmm. I was terrified that I had killed some of them. <laughs> Yeah, like a little too far Uh, into that swim bladder. Yeah, yeah, because you have to insert the tags um, by doing surgery. It's kind of scary, but, you know, most of them are still alive, so I think I did pretty good. Um, That is good. Pretty happy about that. So there were fish that went all over the place. Um, There were some that stayed in certain areas, um, just looks like foraging and just Mm -hmm. hanging out where the food is um but i'm excited to kind of see where this project goes and it's really nice to actually get a ton of data yeah that's awesome (laughs) because i didn't know i didn't really know what i was doing with this so yeah that's awesome well i'm happy for you that's great yeah yeah um yeah that's all i got cool well if you guys want to find us on the social medias. Yeah. Oh, did you do your site the source sources? Oh, thank you. Oh. I oh. didn't do my sources either. Oh. <laughs> All right. So my sources for the story today was the 50-year legacy of Glacier Glacier's Night of the Grizzlies by Ben Goldfarb from Outside Magazine. Uh, the Deadly Grizzly Bear Attacks that Changed the National Park Service Forever by Italy E. Smith from Smithsonian Magazine. Night of the Grizzlies, Lessons Learned in 50 Years Since Attacks uh, by Sarah Detmer uh, from the Great Falls Tribune, um, and then Glacier National Park and a Grizzly Bear from Wikipedia, just to get some, some basic facts. Gotcha. My cryptid website, um, the article is titled Meet Montana's Monsters, and it is on treasurestatelifestyles.com. So Sick. there's that. Yeah. Good. We, we did it. <laughs> check the box okay Oops. where can our listeners find us <laughs> um you guys can find us on social media on facebook instagram and tiktok on facebook we are mother nature will kill you on instagram we are mother nature will kill you podcast on tiktok we are mnwky podcast and then we have a website mother nature will kill you podcast.com you can listen to us there, or you could find us on all streaming platforms like Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. Yeah. Okay. And then um, if you have gotten attacked by a grizzly bear and lived to tell a tale, we want to hear about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you haven't had something that scary, if you just had an encounter with a grizzly bear like Haley did, we want to hear about that too. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can do that by either submitting to our story submission page on our website, or you can email us. Um, in addition, if you want to support the podcast, don't have any money to go to Burning Man because we live in a post-capitalist hellscape, you can mm-hmm. <laughs> you can give us a five-star review on whatever listening app you like. Yeah. All right. Yeah. We did it. Check the box. Woohoo. All right. Well, 
I guess until next time, stay safe. <laughs> but most of all, why do we always do that? Stay, I always think that- stay curious, explorers. Wait, let's redo that. I why do I always do that? Why do I always think you're the one that says that? Okay, 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 okay. Until next time, stay <laughs> safe. But stay wait, now I'm fucking it up again. <laughs> Stay safe, but most of all. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, all right, all right, all right. Okay. Until next time, stay safe, but most of all, stay curious, explorers, and stay spooky. (laughs) Ooga booga. Bye.